What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. This show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is truly a great listen for everybody. The final two episodes are live right now, or you can binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen into podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic. Jokic. 23. Welcome back into a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and this is a podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which is brought to you by Bet Online, the presenting sponsor of Blue Wire Podcasts all across the board. I am very blessed to be joined by Kendra Andrews, the new lead beat writer for the Nuggets for the Athletics. So welcome in and congratulations, Kendra. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How does it feel to fill the very small shoes that Nick Cosmider <laughs> left behind? <laughs> nice shoes now. I mean, I can't pull off the, I'm not, a, I can't pull off the Nikes like some girls can, but. You say that and you don't try and I'm still offended <laughs> by that. So until you wear Jordans to a game and actually give it a shot, I'm just always going to assume that you're just not really willing to go out on a limb and wear Jordans. So that's all on you. I hate to break it to you. Um, so we're happy today because basketball happened and it wasn't just basketball. It was the most comedic basketball game that I can remember. This was a Nuggets team that started three centers and two power forwards against a John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Davis Bertans list Washington Wizards team for a 40-minute scrimmage in which Bull Bull started and neither team was able to shoot better than like 40%. And everyone turned the ball over endlessly. Like, it was one of the weirdest games that I can remember being a part of. Is that kind of how you felt about it, too? Totally. But, I mean, it's, like, it's the first game in four months. So, I really did not know what to expect heading into this. And even with how ugly the basketball was and how sloppy everything was, it was so just entertaining to watch, like, like you said, I mean, three centers and two forwards in a starting lineup where your smallest guy is six foot eight. That's Paul Millsap, who was at the four. I mean, your small forward is seven foot two and bull bull. I mean, it's just, it was, it's like people, my mentions were like my favorite thing to look at today on Twitter. <laughs> and everyone's like, this is my favorite 2K starting lineup. And I'm like, it literally does feel like this is 2K. So let me ask you this now that this has happened. Should Nikola Jokic be up for first-team All-NBA guard? <laughs> Are we there? Because Ben Simmons is apparently in this category, despite every article in the world being about Ben Simmons is now a power forward and all of this stuff. So is there going to be a reality in which Nikola Jokic ever qualifies as a guard? I would not be surprised if he – okay. I love know, this answer. I don't know. I would not be surprised if he played point guard for the Nuggets down the line. Like, I kid you not. I would not be surprised if they went for a, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be all the time, but there might be some instances where they're like, screw it, Nicola, go. <laughs> go. It, it can happen. 
happen. <laughs> it can. It absolutely can. And this is the thing is that the Nuggets don't need traditional lineups, as we clearly saw today, to be able to function at a decent enough level. I mean, they somehow created 19 three-pointers from Bull Bull, Paul Millsap, and Jeremy Grant tonight. Like, the way that they have created this concoction of a Frankenstein roster that they have right now is absurd and it's fun and it's exciting and it kind of leads into this whole tall ball versus small ball conversation that I'm sure we're going to get into again because it's our second time recording so we've already talked about this but we're going to get back into that um off the top though this is something that I missed last time we talked because I think that we need to mention it Troy Daniels was good tonight I mean as the only guard available for the Nuggets, he finished with 22 points. And it's worth noting, he was traded to the Nuggets, I think, two or three days before the season ended. I think he played before today a total of like 60 seconds with the Nuggets. So the fact that he's come out after four months, not, you know, I talked to him over the hiatus period about joining a new team and not knowing. He goes, I don't know anything. I don't know the plays. I'm not really focusing on basketball a ton over this hiatus period. I, I don't know what this team likes to do. So for him to go from that to this in what, two and a half weeks of practice? What is time? I don't know, but yes. It is incredible. And to do it as the only guard on the roster tonight, I'm sorry, he had the best quote when he, I, can't, I think it was Mike Singer who asked him, I'm sorry if that's not right, but Mike Singer, the Denver Post, I believe asked him, what was it like being the only guard on the roster? And he immediately was like, it was fun. I got all the action. He was like legitimately like jovial about the fact that he was the one getting all the calls. So that was cool. It's cool to see him have the opportunity to shine in the way he did. And 22 points on 15 shots. He was four of nine from three, hit all four of his three throws, six rebounds, three assists. That was a good game. He was a plus seven in 30 minutes, played the second most minutes on the team. Like he played well and he showed that if you need an emergency guard, that he can fill that role. And I think that's important. And, you know, that's why the Nuggets traded for him. Mm -hmm. That's what they wanted. They wanted a guard who can come off the bench, knock down threes, provide a little energy and extra boost for them when they need to sit Gary Harris or Jamal or Will or whoever it is. And he showed that he could do that tonight. And, Will, you know, it's, it's exactly what the Nuggets asked for, and they got it. Yep, 100% agree. And it was cool to see. Um, I loved what he said about the court tonight. He liked seeing Black Lives Matter on it, but he felt that Breonna Taylor's name should have been on that court. And I think that that's one that hasn't been mentioned enough is that the NBA has done a good job. They have not done a great job of acquiescing to so many different options to be able to promote social justice change in this country. So I do think it's good that we see the good, but also are entirely cognizant of the things that they are potentially missing as well. And I think Troy Daniels did a very good job of being able to articulate that correctly tonight in his media. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Troy Daniels? Nope. Did you have, okay. I'm just going to break because we're about to get into Bowl Bowl and I have no idea where the hell this is about to go. So we're going to take our first break. We're going to tell you about Bet Online. By the way, the Nuggets won 89 84, I think is what it was. I didn't even say that. But yes, they won. And we're going to talk about Bet Online here for a second and we'll come back on the other end and talk about the Bowl Bowl Bonanza.
sports are finally coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive betting partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on and they're all available 24-7 online. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all of his jewelry and gives you a chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all of the odds and all up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus as well. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, and we are back with Kendra Andrews of The Athletic, who is giddy and happy because basketball happened and Bowl Bowl is apparently a thing. So let's just talk about the insanity that is Bowl Bowl. On a scale of 1 to 10, where does this fit on your expectations for him? 10 being like, this is not even possible what he did tonight, and 1 being like, yeah? I would say... It's probably on the lower half of things. If one is being like, this is what you expected from him, I would probably say it's a four. Oh, wow. You and I are very different in this. What are you thinking? I was like seven or eight. Like there, I thought there was no chance he would play this well tonight. Oh, well, I thought you meant in like the long term. No, no, no. Just tonight. Debut. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes. For a debut. This is nuts. Surprise. This is nuts. I mean, there were talks of, well, do you think he's actually going to play? Is he going to get significant minutes? will he, won't he, what will his role be? And it was like, well, yeah, I think he's going to play because the Nuggets literally have eight players available. So I think he's going to play. I didn't think, I didn't know he was going to start because, and TJ, we were talking earlier today, we both predicted that Troy Daniels was going to start. And he didn't. We predicted that it was going to be Nicola, Troy Daniels, Jeremy Grant, Millsap, uh, and Plumley, I think it was something like that. It was something like that. We didn't think that Bull Bull was going to start. And even if we did think he was going to start, that I think he was going to do what he did out there, just have that instant like comfort out on the court, picking up what his teammates want him, wanting him to do, all that stuff. No, I didn't think that was going to happen after not playing basketball for him. It's been seven months since he played yeah. a game in the G League with the Windy City Bulls. Let's put this into context. He played nine games in college and it wasn't late. It wasn't like Michael Porter Jr. got a game before the tournament. It was, he played the first nine games of non-conference basketball and stopped. He was not able to play anymore due to a stress fracture in his left foot, I believe is what it was. So he doesn't play. He then decides to enter the draft, which surprised me. And he fell from what should have been a lottery pick, if not a top 10 pick potentially based on talent, all the way to 44. Denver traded a meaningless, like, top 55 protected second-round pick to get Bull Bull. That's like, – Matt Moore was giving me crap for this on Twitter. That is highway robbery. You can't find role players with the 14th pick in drafts nowadays. They found Bull Bull with 44. Like, that – I don't care if this is all he does. That's worth the pick right now. Like, that is absolutely worth the flyer. And 
to build on that, he then comes into the NBA, doesn't play at all his first year, barely, right? He's just working on his body and getting healthy. He plays a few games for Windy City, actually looks really good, but they only, he would play like two games, come back to Denver, get a bunch of medical evaluation, go back, play three games, come back to Denver, make sure he's healthy. So there wasn't any consistent minutes. It was just like these sporadic, like, it's like you or I playing pickup. Like, we're not playing every day. It's just like, look, go out there and play for a couple games. And that's really what it was for him, though. So after all of that, the season goes on a hiatus and suddenly he's left without the ability to play basketball. And then he enters the Orlando bubble with like six other dudes and realizes, wow, I have to figure this out in the next 10 days before I have to take the court as clearly a starter for the Nuggets in their first scrimmage game in the most unpredictable setting in NBA history in this bubble, all while not having any experience and playing with two other centers and two other power forwards. Like all of those instances adding together is insane that anybody could go out and feel comfortable while playing basketball. And he did. You hit the nail on the head with that word, comfortability. Yeah. It was really something special in my opinion to see him play like that. And, and you know, another thing, you know, I mentioned the fact that Troy Daniels joined the team, you know, two seconds before the hiatus. And while Bull has been on this team for just over a year, he never really practiced with the team. He really, it's not like he was getting to put in work with this group of guys over the last 12, 13 months. He really, you know, training camp last, what, September, October. Yeah. After that, it really wasn't much action for him. So it's another, like you said, it's just the fact that it's really been that long since he's picked up you know, basketball and played competitively. And I think that just speaks to his natural ability, his basketball IQ. You know, of course, there are things that need to be worked on. He's a 19-year-old rookie who hasn't played a meaningful basketball in nearly two years. So for that to be the starting ground in your base, I mean, come on. Like, that's a great base to have. Oh, yeah. Tim Connolly's cheersing right now to the fact that they even (laughs) got the opportunity to pick him. And it's funny, too, because, like, we've spoken about this. When Brendan Vogt and I were in Brooklyn, Tim Connolly made a a passing remark about Bull Bull being potentially a small forward. And we all kind of, like, nervously chuckled, like, no way. Like, come on, man. He's 7'2 with a 7'9 wingspan. Like, he's not a small forward. But I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) like it seems insane but he can't defend bigs he's not strong enough he doesn't have the girth in terms of his hips he can't hold guys in their position rebounding will always be an issue for him not against small forwards it won't be and he's so long he can close out to him sorry what were you gonna say say he'll take advantage of those guys like he's double their size well, think about what Michael Porter Jr. did this year against guys just for, by being tall. Like, that was the running joke this year was that Michael Porter Jr. is elite at being tall. Bull Bull is, like, three inches taller than Michael Porter Jr. with a similar touch on his shot. But the fact that he's only three inches taller is kind of mind-blowing because I'm like, no, he's at least two feet taller. Right? Yeah, because Bull Bull looks like he can touch space with his arm. Like, so, yes, I agree with that. But I just, it, it, it's truly mind-blowing that somebody can possess these skill sets. And we looked this up. I wish, do I still have that? I think I might still have it open too. Um, we looked up how many players have ever attempted eight threes in a game and blocked six shots. The list was 12 players long in NBA history. Of course it was a scrimmage, but it was a 40 minute scrimmage. He only played 32 minutes and he still showed that he has that type of a skill set. and you don't find that. So I, I don't know how you can be more happy with his debut because it would have never been better than this in my opinion 
Totally. I mean, like you said, Tim Connolly must be freaking out of his mind. <laughs> I hope he's wine drunk happy right now. He deserves that right now. Like he's probably texting Arturus, even though he's not with the Arturus isn't with the Nuggets. People like, did you see that? Holy shit. Like, did you see that? Yep. And, and it's just like, totally. You have a seven foot two guy who falls in the draft and a lot of people had doubts about him and what he's going to be. And I mean, you know, it, it, like you said, it is a scrimmage. So how much can we really take from this? As I assumed that, you know, you were asking before, but like, and I do think that bull has a really high, high ceiling, but it's like, okay, is every game from here on out going to be like that? For no, no, absolutely not. Not at all. But he, like you said, he has it in him. And that's the important part is that you see glimpses. And again, like, Compare it to Michael Porter Jr. Was Michael Porter Jr. great every single game? No. But oh, he had some disastrous moments. The flashes of greatness? Yes. And that's what it's about with these young guys, with these rookies. It's that you see the potential in them. Okay, now give them some time to get stronger, to hone in on their skills. And that's the, like something that the Nuggets can give Bull mm-hmm. and Michael Porter Jr. They can give them time because they don't need them to be superstars right now. They have other guys who are in that role. So it's like, it's a, it's a win-win for both of them, honestly. I totally agree with that. And I'm sorry, but now like this game didn't change anything. This game just solidified what so many of us thought that would translate. Cause we've seen these skills translate in the G league. We've seen them in the, at the NCAA level. And now we've seen them against NBA talent. But like you said, this game is probably not very rep, 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 lickable at this time. Wow. That was like the tongue twister for me all night long. The Nuggets ran his own defense. That's, this is a massive part of what made him look so good, in my opinion. When you just run his own defense and put Bull Bull under the rim, you're going to be just fine. He's just going to come up. Every shot will get funneled to him, and he will be 7-2. Like, exactly. That is what you're supposed to do. When he gets targeted in pick and rolls by Chris Paul and LeBron James and these hyper-intelligent, really, really athletic and strong dudes, he is going to get torn apart in pick and rolls. And that's fair. It's not like that. Like he shouldn't be that right now. Michael Porter Jr. gets targeted in pick and rolls despite being so athletic and so long. He just there. It's hard to defend that when you're at this level. So there was a lot of... Um, of, ah, what's the right term? False narratives that existed in this game for him, in my opinion. And I think the defense was a big part of it. The potential was there. The ability to have this type of game again next scrimmage, I'm not, I don't believe it yet. Right. And you know, the thing with his defense, I don't know if you remember this, TJ. I don't know if you were on the call, but when he spoke to the media, what, a week and a half, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, he actually said, and I thought this was kind of laughable at the moment, he said, one of the things I want to work on is using my length and defense. Like I know I'm long, but I don't necessarily know how to use it fully to my advantage. And I think that that's now thinking about it more and actually watching him play and watching him play defense. Like that's a fair thing. He is so long. So naturally, yes, if he hits, if he sticks his hand up, he'll probably block a shot, at least make it difficult for you to hit a shot. But that's not all the defense is. So how is he going to use his length and his, like gangly arms and legs to help him defend these other guys that he's going to need to like the LeBron James, like, you know, the other big guys out there. So the, (laughs) uh, so the, the, there's one thing that I can't get out of my head though. And it's the fact that he is long enough to defend off ball like that on ball when you're defending in a pick and roll again, we'll talk about that in a second. I have thoughts on that here too, but when you're talking about closing out to a shooter, 
he can get there in one step from virtually anywhere within the half court. And his arms are so long, he can block your three-pointer doing it like he did tonight. He blocked two jump shots tonight. Like, there's blocks, and then there's blocking a three-pointer. Like, that is so incredibly difficult, and you don't find players. It's like Mitchell Robinson can do it, Manu Ginobili could do it, and now Bo Bo can do it. Like, there are so few players who are able to have the kind of anticipation and length to be able to make up that kind of ground. So I do wonder if off-ball is a small forward, if he is going to be able to defend at the NBA level, because I do think that fits, like, against a Joe Ingles type. But Let's talk about the pick and roll part because what they're going to have to do is the Nuggets are just going to put them on whatever the worst offensive forward there is on the floor. Whether it's power forward or small forward, it doesn't matter. Let's just live in this fantasy world that he's playing with Michael Porter Jr., right? Or Jeremy Grant, whatever. I don't care. They're going to put them on the worst forward. So then what they're going to try and do is force a switch. Bring that bad offensive player who Bull Bull is defending, get him in a screening action to get him to switch. Bull Bull and the rest of the Nuggets defense need to get incredibly good at pre-switching and getting that switch back out immediately because the Nuggets got decent at that when Jamal Murray was much more disastrous a couple of years ago. They know how to kind of do this. And we see Paul Millsap fill and re-space all the time doing this as well. If the Nuggets can build an aggressive enough scheme that allows them to be moving like this because of the length they have, they have the personnel to make up for those issues in the pick and roll this is all theory this is all like fantasy world but if you can quick switch and pre-switch him out of those pick and rolls or you just know that like whenever you see his guy from the corner come up to set a screen paul Millsap just jumps up and they switch that's all you gotta do and if they can get that logged in he might be able to play small forward that's fair i mean I, I i think that's a good point i think that that yeah like it, it's that's just about like you, you obviously have such a unique guy in Bull Bull. And so, you know, it's figuring out how to use him most effectively. And so if that's what's going to make him the most effective defender and use that and use it in a way that rare, like barely any other team has the ability to do it quite like Bull Bull be able to do it just because of his length, like you have to take advantage of that. And you got to at least see if it works because like, this could fail like, disastrously. There is no hiding from that. Like this is probably way less likely to happen than it is, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore. And that's the most encouraging part is that the options became larger tonight, in my opinion. And that's huge for this team. Um, Bull Bull, did you have any big thoughts that I have not already hit on? I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered a lot with him. One more thing then, Nikola Jokic and him fitting yeah. together on a court. There was a moment tonight where Bol Bol is trailing. Nikola Jokic has the ball on the wing and Jokic just points at the ground and looks at him. Like, I don't want to say it was a glare, but it was like a, we're going to do this right now and you're, we're going to see how it works. Because Nikola Jokic was in pure fuck it mode. He was like, let me see how many ridiculous things I can try in this game before getting yanked. So he points to the ground, calls to the screen. The part that I thought was interesting is I thought that Nikola Jokic pointing at the ground and not the player meant that Jokic wanted him to slip. But what Bull said after was that it was Bull's decision to slip that screen. So Bull sets a pick for Nikola Jokic, who has the ball, a seven-footer and a seven-two small forward. And suddenly he slips the screen, catches the pass, and puts a very easy floater up. That moment was like so crystallizing for the potential of what this team could be. Like, I, I don't even know how to phrase how cool that is. And this is the thing, and this was one of the reasons why I think it will work. Similar to why I think other big tandems like LeBron James and Anthony Davis can work together and stuff like that is because they're different kinds of players. 
if Bull Bull really just fully embraces the small forward position, I mean, there. And as the, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just like it's too funny for me still to just like talk about this. And like he even said, him and Nicole have barely even played together in practice. Mm-hmm. They don't have a chemistry. So if that play was off of no chemistry. There's so much potential potential for when they do have chemistry. And it's like, okay, play them on the floor together. We were just talking about Bull Bull playing defense and being able to get out to the perimeter and play perimeter really quickly. If he does that, but Nikola Jokic is the center, you're not leaving the mm-hmm. paint open for them to say, screw the three-pointer, I'm going to pass it inside because you have another big body down there. Like, it's 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 like the Twin Towers. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's but they're mobile and they're versatile. Mobile and and Nicola can pass and Bobol can shoot. So it's not like just two big bodies kind of clogging up the paint. They have finesse to them, which you don't get in a lot of seven foot players. I totally agree. I have to rant real quick. I already did this rant to you, so you already know it. I hate the fact that small ball is called small ball. The only reason it was dubbed small ball was because the only versatile players in the game at that point were small. Now, you saw the revolution of the center where Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Damanis Abonis, all of these hyper-versatile uh, you know, centers appeared, and now you're seeing that versatility percolate into bigger players. And it's happening on the wings, and it's happening in the, in the very deep forward positions in terms of power forwards, and you don't need to be small anymore. You can just be versatile. Death to small ball, long live tall ball. Let's go. <laughs> We're making shirts. I need a shirt of that. People won't get it except for like the 12 of us who are on NBA Twitter too much, but I'm in. That's what we're getting. I'm going to get you that. (laughs) Oh God. I'm getting you that for Christmas. No, but it's, it's totally true. And I think that I would love for the nuggets to just like take ownership of, I mean, not, I can't say ownership. No, no, that would be ownership. They're the only ones doing this. Lineup and run with it and change the game back. You saw the Warriors, the Warriors did revolutionize the game. And that is when players started becoming more versatile because they saw what the Warriors were doing and the skills that they had. You saw Draymond Green being a versatile big. You saw these changes and then other players were like, well, if we want to keep up, we need to do that. And those skills now are going from the guards to the forwards to the centers. And so, and right now, honestly, the Nuggets are probably the only team that could have pulled off what they did tonight and not have it blow up in their face <laughs> i they totally agree team with the people with the players that it's about skill they're the only team that have that many bigs with that much skill and like any other team that was just like let's screw it throw all the forwards in there in a center it would not work like it and part of that is because there's no like nicole Jokic is the best point center in the league ever potentially a, yeah a really good starting place but i mean I mean, I have to imagine that Michael Malone is probably laughing at his lineup sheet, but he was like, you know what? We're good. Let, let's do it. Let's go with it. Like, it's I, I love it. I love it. Steer into the skid. And this is the thing. The Nuggets do have ownership of this. No one else has done this. Not a single team to where they were like, you know what? We need length. Let's go get Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr. Like that's not just like that. That's galaxy brain 2.0. That's like way chest to chest to checkers kind of combinations. When you go out onto that limb and take those risks and they potentially play out the Nuggets might be go down as one of the greatest drafting front offices in NBA history. That's where we're at. I mean, Nikola Jokic at 51 or whatever, Monte Morris at 56. To get all of these guys, it's yeah. insane. 
their starting lineup today, uh, there was only one first-round draft pick in their starting lineup, and I think it was – Do you remember who it was? Paul? Nope, it was Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley, and he was 20 – I believe he was 14th, too. He was, like, right Right. there on the edge. But, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to the Nuggets development staff. This has not been spoken about enough. You don't just take young, talented players and they accidentally get awesome in your, in your program. These guys, Stephen Graham, you know, John Beckett, Ojan Stojakovic, these guys are, you know, Charles Class. They are in the gym with these guys relentlessly. And because of that, they have been able to get the most out of them. And it's really impressive that they've been able to do that. I know you've spoken to JB and Stephen Graham for that matter. What do you think of that idea? I mean, it's the development part. I mean, yes, of them being one of the best developing teams in basketball. It's completely true. And I, I mean, you can even see it from the standpoint of guys like Monte Morris, Torrey Craig, who played in the G League. The Nuggets don't have a G League franchise. So whatever they're learning in the G League, or even Bobo, like whatever they're learning in the G League doesn't pertain to the Nuggets. So it's about they have to play the style of basketball that whatever G League team they play with wants to play for their like parent franchise, we'll yeah. call it. But the Nuggets, it's, okay, we'll learn what the Windy City Bulls are doing, which directly correlates to the Chicago Bulls. On the side, with these coaches, by myself, I need to be working on the system of the Nuggets. And so to be able to get guys to buy into that system, I mean, I'm sure it's tougher work than if it was just with the in within the franchise that oh, yeah. the same systems. You know, it's it's really, like, I, I think it just feels, okay, I mean, I think I've mentioned this on this podcast before. I'm from Oakland, so I grew up a Warriors fan. And, like, when the when the Warriors starting to, started to get good with guys like Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, it felt so good because it was in-house product. Yep. And, of course, you trade for, on, like, the Andre Iguodala guys. You trade for those accent pieces to really bring it together. But the core group is homegrown. And that's exactly what you have with the Nuggets. And it's such a... It's just, in my opinion, it's a more satisfying feeling because you were like, that is a product of this franchise. Like, that's what the franchise kind of stands for. That's what they do. And I don't know. I think the Nuggets are, have completely taken ownership of being an organization that does that well. So is there a reality in which Michael Porter Jr. plays the two, Bull Bull plays the three, and Jeremy Grant plays the four? Could you, like, let's live in this fantasy hypothetical <laughs> world of Michael Porter, Bull, Bull, both reach like 80% of their ability. Is there, can they go that big? Jamal, Michael Porter, Bull, Bull, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic. I'm bigger tonight, so I can't say Well, no. okay, scrimmaging against a terrible Wizards team in the bubble <laughs> is one thing. Let's talk about realistic here, like long-term right. dynastic basketball. This is the thing. I think that, and again, we mentioned this on our failed recording. <laughs> we think that Michael Porter and Bull Bull could exist on a court. It would take time to adjust 100%. But I think th- their games are, I don't want to say opposite, but they're, you know, opposite enough. Yeah. Compared to a guy like you mentioned of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. And you can kind of get into why you see those guys butting heads a little bit more. But I do think, you know, it would take some work, you know, some adjustment. I don't know if it would be a, if a starting lineup. Maybe it would be. But I could see it getting minutes somewhere throughout a game. I think, so first of all, in terms of the Michael Porter Jr. Jamal thing, they play so similarly, except Michael Porter Jr. is six foot 11. And Jamal Murray happens to be a little bit better in terms of just guard skills. So they're, they're not 
that different. And that I think leads to them eventually stepping on their to- on each other's toes throughout, you know, learning how to play together. I don't think Bol Bol and Michael Porter will have that issue. I don't think Bol Bol and, and Nicola will have that issue. I don't even think Bol Bol and Jamal will have that issue. I think the perfect reality for Bol Bol is to be the Chris Bosch. role that archetype of you know what i'm gonna sacrifice i'm gonna block shots i'm gonna defend on the perimeter i'm gonna use my length i'm gonna hit threes and i'm going to be unique and i'm going to add something that teams can't match up with because that was what allowed lebron to get through so many of those um the d wade lulls that would exist later in his career and all those things that chris bosh was the perfect unique filler to be able to blend all of this chaos together so i do wonder if there is a reality in which bull bull can play that role it could could happen (laughs) at this point it's 2020 everything has happened so like anything can but i was going to stop predicting and just go with (laughs) but i do i do i do think you know i do think it could work in a world i do think and like i said before it would take some getting used to i think the first couple times that they tried it out there would be some some whoopsies but there's potential that it could work for sure. By the way, Bull Bull tonight, now that we've done talking about him for so long, 16 <laughs> points on 6 of 14 shooting, hit 2 of 8 of his threes, 2 of 4 of his free throws, 10 rebounds, 5 turnovers, 6 blocks. He was a plus 18 in 32 minutes of a 7-point game. Really, 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 really impressive stuff considering all the cast. By the way, I don't think this is his NBA debut. Do scrimmages count as an NBA debut? I haven't even remotely thought about that. Do oh, I have I to put out like quotes on it and like asterisk it? And, like, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny that that even existed. Um, but let's talk about anybody else that potentially stood out to you. Was there anything Nikola Jokic did tonight that made you good, bad, indifferent? Was there anything of importance to Nikola Jokic's game? I mean, eh. no, no, there wasn't. <laughs> I agree with you. Like, Jokic was trying the Rondo behind the back pass fake for fun. Like, he he did have a little shocked in a full moment. He did one of his passes and it just completely hit him. Dude, the arms thrown in the air meme that turned into that was so great. Also, I love the reason why. He threw a full court pass to Bull Bull and forgot that Bull Bull is 7'2 with a 7'9 wingspan and just like threw it a line at him and it just like did not work. So it was very funny to watch that. Um, But it was good. You know, Nikola Jokic uh, tried a lot of crazy shit, had some great passes, looked fine. Like there was nothing wrong with Nikola. And, and that's okay. It's not every game has to be a Nicole Jokic game. And it, it, yes, it was the first scrimmage out. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people really wanted to see what he was all about. It, it will happen eventually. Yes. It didn't need to happen tonight. Uh, honorable mention, Tyler Cook. Eight points on four shots, hit all four free throws, and had six rebounds tonight. Was a plus 14 in 16 minutes. There you go. Good for and Tyler Cook. Another player who hasn't been with the Nuggets since... Training camp when he was a two-way <laughs> before Dozier showed up. Uh, by the way, let's update the roster and where everyone's at because we didn't hit that yet on the top. Uh, the reason there were eight players tonight was Jamal Murray and Will Barton were out for precautionary reasons. There was no injury listed for Jamal Murray. Uh, Will Barton is right knee soreness. Do you have any concern? No. Cool. Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. is uh, apparently in route and or landed in Orlando. That was weird. (laughs) And he is now going to go through a 36 to 48 hour quarantine period. And then you'll have to pass physical testing before entering the court. So that likely means he does not play the second scrimmage. Do you think he plays a lot in the third? 
think it depends on how much practice time he gets. I mean, I think I think maybe a little. But this is practice, right? Like, isn't that why Bol Bol played 32 or 40 minutes tonight, other than the fact that they just didn't have players? But, like, Michael Malone has just been so heavy on the easing in and, Mm. you know, wanting to avoid injury, which is a completely valid thing. Um, So, like, you know, I think he could play a little bit in the scrimmage because he has missed so much. Um, and they do want to get him some running time before uh, the the seeding games. But is he going to play a bowl bowl thirty two minutes? No. I mean, I mean, even Michael Malone said he had a, he had bowl penciled in for just twenty eight. But do I think he's even going to pencil in MPJ for twenty eight minutes? I don't think so. I think it will be less than that. I but think that's I, the wrong decision. By the way, he needs these scrimmages more than anybody. He needs these practice times more than anybody. He needs to be able to get into a rhythm more than anybody. Yeah. The Nuggets will not contend for a title this year if he is not a part of their playoff rotation. Yeah. Full stop for me. Uh, last two players, Tori Craig and Gary Harris, are in Orlando, have cleared their quarantine, are physically cleared, but had not played enough to be able to play in this scrimmage. Um, they will seemingly play next scrimmage, but who knows, because Jamal Murray and Will Barton did not play in this one despite being there. That leaves a few different players who, for some reason, just aren't around, aren't being spoken about, aren't, I don't know what the aren't is, but they are not in Denver, or not in Orlando, it appears. The Nuggets will not say anything in terms of who is or is not. They will not confirm it. Um, It's a gigantic pain in the ass, but I also understand it. So let's just go over who is in debt or who is not there anymore. Monte Morris, PJ Dozier, Keita Bates-Job, and Vlako Chanchar are just unaccounted for. That's a big deal because your two backup point guards are on that list. That's the biggest thing. I mean, and no disrespect to Keita or Vladko. They just don't fit in terms of what they're trying to do right now. Exactly. It's it's the Monte Morris and the PJ Dozier who I if I were part of the Nuggets franchise, I would be, you know, mm-hmm. start to get a little antsy about their arrival because I mean you think back to last season's first round playoffs against San Antonio. The reason why the Nuggets made it out of that round was because of Monte Morris and how he was able to pick up the slack of Jamal Murray when Jamal was struggling. So to not have your backup point guard there is huge. And then you've seen what P.J. Dozier has done in his limited minutes with the Nuggets. He's really stepped up and proven that he has something to offer for this mm-hmm. team when guys are down and out. And so you want those guys there because those, at least with Morris, with Monte, you know that he's going to be in the playoff rotation. Yeah. And so the Nuggets have been completely handicapped with – and, I, and they don't like to make excuses, and I understand that. But the reality is they have been handicapped by the fact their facility got shut down. They didn't get to do, you know, one-on-one workouts in Denver. When they first got to Orlando, a whole bunch of players were missing, including Nikola Jokic, their best player, their centerpiece. Okay, he arrives, and that's great. You were still missing, what, seven or eight other players. And so by the time, you know, depending on when these guys arrive – the ramp up time is going to be completely gone and they're going to be playing catch up while the seeding games are happening. And I was looking at the standings today. The Jazz are only one and a half games behind the Nuggets for that number three spot. And the Nuggets have one of the toughest seeding conferences in the Western Conference. Yep. So while they may not be playing teams who you think are like tip top, these are important games for the Nuggets to secure their number three seed, especially if other teams are playing really well. Like if the Jazz just come out 
and the Rockets come out just like knocking everyone's socks off, well, the Nuggets have to be on par with that because they don't want to drop in the standings. I wonder how much the standings actually matter. I think just being a top four seed and knowing you're not going to see one of the Lakers or Clippers until the second round is really the only goal here. Totally. But still, I think there's a lot to this because it's the, it's the comfortability part of all of these guys working together. And also, if the Nuggets do care about seeding, they have to win their first five games or first four games because you're playing Lakers, Clippers, Raptors, and someone else really, really good in those last three or four games of the seeding schedule. If you leave it up to fate and you have to beat them to avoid one of the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round, that is wildly concerning to me. So that's going to be extremely difficult. Um, although I, I do want to say this, both Keita and Vlatko are great uh, breaking case of emergency kind of guys because they can play so many positions. Both of them can play two through four. Right, and that's why you have a 17-man roster is to have those guys, especially in cases like this where, you know, your 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 soft tissue is – a little softer because you haven't been playing recently it's important to have those reinforcements in order to give guys a little bit of a break just to make sure that you're you know safe and sound did you have any takeaways else from this game did i miss anything i talk a lot but i also talk about nothing half the time so i wanted to make sure i don't miss anything so and i think and we talked about this you know it's 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 really hard to take this game because it was under such unusual circumstances. And I'm not even talking about the bubble. I'm talking about the Nuggets roster. Mm-hmm. It was so unusual um, that it's really hard to say, well, this is where the Nuggets are at. Or or because it is changed. Because there are other – you know, if I'll say this. If there were no other players in Denver – I mean, sorry, in Orlando, and that's who they were with, I'd say, yeah, that's probably indicative. But they had guys there who didn't play. They have guys yeah. who know were on their way who didn't play. So it's hard to say, well, this is what it's going to be because they're, we're probably not going to see this lineup again unless we ha- they have to play it. And I think, you know, Malone, six seconds into his press conference tonight, <laughs> mentioned the turnovers. I asked him about how, if he really believes that this is a positionless game based off of his lineup. And he said, well, the turnovers were just a position. <laughs> 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 that's so, that's so cool. It's, it's just Mo, it's what he does. <laughs> He had, to, he had to find a place to fit it in, and if that's where he could fit it in, I respect it. And he, yeah, 25 turnovers in 30 minutes is atrocious. That's like, it's inconceivable that you could have 30 turnovers in an NBA game, which is a, basically the equivalent of what you're talking about. Right. And, then, and then I kind of think, I'm like, okay, that's really bad, but you have no guards. You're playing all bigs. And it's been four months since they played. So even the turnovers, I put a little asterisk next to because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this was – everyone knew this game was going to be sloppy. This was the game to get the kinks out. The next two scrimmages are also to get the kinks out, but hopefully, you know, a little bit more together now that you got your, you know, yah-yahs out. <laughs> yah-yahs, I like that. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't I – think, I think the next two scrimmages are going to have more actual takeaways than this one unless – <laughs> same thing <laughs> yeah exactly when all of a sudden they're like screw it we're gonna run it back baby <laughs> just go for it uh also another thing that is eternal as just as michael malone talking about turnovers in his post-game press conference is him taking rage timeouts despite the fact that it's a scrimmage because of the turnover to put paul Millsap in and to call a post up for him some things will never end and it's kind of amazing to be honest with you 
makes you feel at home, doesn't it? <laughs> so yes, and it's there, there's your true sense of normalcy. Fuck all this basketball stuff. Malone being angry and calling unnecessary timeouts is 100% where I feel at home. So that was hysterical to see. Um, Mason Plumlee was fine tonight. Whatever. There really wasn't else much else to talk about. Jeremy Grant wasn't great. Paul Millsap wasn't great. Noah Vonley was okay. Most people were fine. It was just like a very blah game. A very blah game, and, I, and with Bull Bull, and the reason why is just because li- we literally have not seen him, and we haven't talked to him in a year, and so it's just there's so much intrigue. And I don't know about you, TJ, but throughout this entire season, I was getting so many questions about mm-hmm. how is Bull Bull, how is he progressing, how is his foot, what is he doing, how does he look, and unfortunately, my answer was always, uh, I don't know. And so yeah. All of those questions, and this is why I think it was such like a bull bull bonanza, as you you know called it. Is like everyone had so many questions, and they were all answered tonight. And this is the manner that they were answered in. So it's just like, oh, we want to know how bull bull is. Well, this is how he. This is what. There you go. No, stop asking me, please, because he's right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you point to. That's the body of work that you can point to when you say, "Well, how is bull bull?" Well, you have 16.6 blocks and 10 rebounds, so eh, pretty good. <laughs> like, I do find it funny that Bol Bol is probably the most popular player on the team in terms of the national perspective. He probably is the most popular player on the Nuggets. He's so intriguing, and I think that, you know, he has far reaches with, I mean, my, when I told my parents that the Nuggets drafted Bol Bol, the first thing they said is, oh my gosh, Manute Bolson. Yeah. So you have that reach into the older basketball fans because he's Manute Bolson. You have the intrigue of like, you know, the younger, middle-aged and younger fans just because he's such an intriguing player. Everyone wants to to know about him, which I think is funny because he's probably one of the quietest players ever. So it's just, you know, but he's here to do his job. It's hysterical because he is so silent that you feel like he, there, there might be a confidence issue. I don't think there is at all. I think he is fine. Like, he looked confident as hell tonight. And the other funny thing is, like, yeah, this dude's silent. He hangs out with, like, young thug every day. Like, that's his boy. So, like, this idea that, like, Bull Bull is, like, still a very immature child in a lot of ways and, like, is scared. It's not – I don't think it's nearly as true as the draft process made that seem. So, I think that all of these signs have been incredibly encouraging from where the Nuggets started out in this process with. I had no anticipation of him having that kind of confidence and comfortability in such an unpredictable circumstance as he did in that game. I'm with you. So, Amen, brother. Whew, that was a podcast about a basketball game that actually happened. Isn't it nice to not be talking about hypotheticals? I mean, we had a couple of hypotheticals, but not everything built on hypotheticals. I said <laughs> I don't know like 75% less in this podcast than any other one for the last four months. So... I'm calling that a win. Kendra, plug everything. I don't care if you got 17 podcasts. Tell everybody where to find you. I don't. Follow me on Twitter, uh, Kendra, two underscores, Andrews. Always have to throw in the two underscores because there's another Kendra. You're the underscore. second Kendra Andrews. Let's make this well, very clear. I'm on Twitter with one underscore, and every once in a while she sends out tweets being like, I have no input on the nuggets. You're following the wrong Kendra. So we built a nice friendship. Um, <laughs> Kendra, double underscore Andrews. Um, We actually just put up a podcast of our own, the Rainbow Skyline podcast, talking about very similar things as I did here with TJ. Um, Another bearded fellow too, my buddy Dave. Similar host of Dave DeFore. I mean, (laughs) I was literally recording him. I'm like, TJ? (laughs) (laughs) 
Dave and I have too many similarities, man. Like it's kind of, un- it's a kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> I love that guy though. He's my guy. Yeah. But no, go over to the athletic, please subscribe. We always have deals going on and yeah, that's it. And at TJ McBride, that dude, whoever is out there, you message me. I've messaged you like 12 times. I want that handle. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that out there since you got, since you have to double underscore yours. I have to, I might try and buy it off of her. Be like, who switch or something? Like I offered. I literally texted this dude like DM and I was like, what is it going to take, bro? I will Venmo your ass 50 bucks right now. Like, give me that. So, yes, that's where we're going to end this chaotic podcast with friends. Kendra, thank you so much. This has been the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, presented by Blue Wire. Lots and lots of fun stuff. So thank you guys so much for listening in. There'll be more coming. Have a good one.